Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on? I'm pretty excited about today. How about you? I'm really excited. Why are you excited? Is this the same reason as me? Because I'm a baller. You are. Yeah, that's usually how I describe you. Yeah. Master baller, Watson. We, we actually have someone in here that is more of a baller than you are. That's we're, for sure. We're here with Davion Ross from Shot Tracker. What's up, buddy? What up? What up? Thanks. good to be here. And thank you for coming in, man. We've been trying to do this for a little bit and... Oh, definitely just a busy guy man busy guy you know trying to solve world peace i know i know <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work it's a lot of work so well anyway you know davion you're someone that matt and i both hold in high regard um you do some really great stuff around kansas city i think most people in kansas city know the name davion ross they definitely know shot tracker you guys do cool stuff for our listeners that aren't around uh check out shottracker.com really cool stuff which we're about to talk about so let's let's go right back to the beginning man why'd you start shot tracker and, wh- and what do you guys do yeah absolutely so you know it's been an evolution right when we first started um it started out of the premise that my co-founder bruce yanni was in the backyard with his son you know helping him with his shooting and you know just being a good entrepreneur it's you know we've all we've all lived by the whole hey you can't improve if you don't measure right? You know, finance guys, sales guys, everybody lives by that premise. And he was trying to figure out how to track his his son's statistics in a very efficient manner. So of course, knowing that I played, we had a good relationship. We were partners or friends from Pipeline. Knowing that I played basketball in college, had a comp sci degree, math degree, he reached out to me to understand, hey, what did you do when you were in college? And, you know, I told him that it was pretty a manual process. And so at that point in time, we decided that there was an opportunity here and we created what, you know, some called like the Fitbit for basketball, right? The whole quantified self, but really for basketball tracking. And the use case was really, you know, a kid, one ball, one basket in the backyard. After it took us about 14 months to build that product. And when we went into market, uh, they always say, you really know about your product when your customers start using it. So our customers started using it and, you know, a ton of them loved it. You know, some of us, some of them were like, your baby's ugly (laughs) (laughs) and you you need to find a way to fix it. And so what we did is we stopped that process of selling the product and, you know, really talked to our customers. And what we found was people were using our product in a different environment, right? Multiple players, multiple balls. Um, There was a whole evolution going on in basketball that we see on Instagram where, Everybody has a trainer. You know, it's not, it's not just one person in the backyard shooting. It's, you know, people were using it with their teams. And the use case was very different. The use case was multiple players, multiple balls, multiple hoops. And that's where we made the transition from really being just a consumer product because people were using this consumer product, but using it in an almost enterprise manner. And when I say enterprise, I mean team manner, right? More than one person. And so that's why we went out and tried to solve that problem because it was definitely a much more complex problem, right? You have, you know, basketball teams say KU, right? They have 18 players, they have six hoops, they have 18 basketballs. Matt, you're grabbing the rebound from 
somebody else's shot and you have to build all these algorithms and solve that problem. How do you find out who shot with what ball at what hoop, et cetera? Right. So, you're, so that's where we're. What was your very first product tracking though? Like the, it was tracking uh, the, the strictly, ugly baby. Yeah, it was tracking strictly shot attempts, makes and misses, um, but for one person so at a time. So what did you have to do in order just to do that very first basic function? Did that involve something in the ball and something no, in the No, so or? the solution was um, a sensor on the wrist, and we wrote some algorithms that could identify when you made a jump shot. Um, everybody's jump shot is unique as a fingerprint. So literally we use algorithms that learned and you trained your shot by taking five to 10 shots. And therefore we could identify your jump shot. And then we had a sensor that would actually clip onto the net and we'd use the, 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 the IMU to identify when a shot was made. And what's the IMU? Uh, it's inertia measurement unit. Um, it has like an accelerometer um, and some other components. And for those of you that obviously can't see Davion's rolling his eyes and, and waving us I off. Did not wave, I did not <laughs> roll my eyes. I did, did not roll my eyes. Because the IMU, I mean, I, I, but it, I don't know. But at that time, you didn't know, like, where they were standing when they shot the ball. No, exactly. We did stuff, not right? know location. I mean, right. it was strictly shot attempts, makes and misses. Right. And how we solved it with the location is we actually put in structured workouts. So we would tell you where to go shoot okay. and have to assume mm. honesty. So, I mean, it was a way to get to the point where we could actually show you a shot chart, right. but not necessarily we infer the location because we told you that in this workout, you have to shoot 10 shots from here. So, so for those who are listening that have done things with hardware before or want to do things with hardware before, getting this first version of this done, and it's not like it is today, right? Like it's further evolved. It's totally, yeah. But even the first version, how, how hard was it to get the hardware right and oh, actually make goodness. that work? I'll tell you, uh, uh, it, it was hard. I mean, there's a reason they call it hardware. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a there's a legit reason. Somebody, whoever came up with that, was extremely intelligent, because there's a reason they call it hardware. Yeah. Um, it was hard, man. There's things like I always make the joke and I say hardware just doesn't compile as fast as right. software. You know, what I mean, if you think about, you have a problem. Perfect example. When our first units came back. We found out from people that you were shooting, it would just shut off. And we're like, that's strange. Why would it just shut off? Well, it happened that it was a electrostatic discharge issue. Oh, the geez. basketball, once it was being bounced, would pick up enough static that when it touched the sensor in the, in, 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 in the, in the net, it would shut it off. Oh, wow. Wow. So, like, those are things that, you like, <laughs> when I say hardware is hard, like, yeah. and so you have people calling in and you're like, well, Man, we put up probably about a million shots on this thing, and we've never seen this. But then one person, two person, three person start seeing it. So hardware is just is just tough. When you know when you have a software bug, you write some code, you yeah. recompile it, and you test. Like well, that's minutes. So that's hardware. My, yeah. So that's my. It question. could be like a four to six week. Time Are you frame. able to update like the firmware for those things? Yeah, absolutely. You okay. can update the firmware because most of them have a communication protocol, okay. whether it's Bluetooth or maybe they all connect to a so phone, so to, you could push it down. You didn't necessarily have to throw them all away. And no, no, no. But that's but the thing the about firmware. it is that was not a. It wasn't a software problem. Yeah, that was a. It was a hardware problem, problem where we had to put an extra capacitor on there okay. to mitigate it. So where did you have this stuff manufactured? So for our first round, we manufactured in uh, in Texas. Okay. Because we just wanted to stay really close to it. Right. And manufacturing in China is is tough. I mean, we do some manufacturing there now, 
But manufacturing in China is really tough, especially for your first. You want to make you sure you have it perfect yeah. first so that, therefore, they're really good at, like, if you give them a recipe, they're perfect. But cooking from, hey, I think this need a pinch of salt, uh-uh. <laughs> you give them a recipe, they can duplicate anything. Okay. Yeah. And so the uh, was there a lot of challenges and back and forth with all the manufacturing, trying to get to that initial prototypes to get it working? Yeah, it was. I mean, we were fortunate that we had um, just, I mean, it comes down to the team so much, man. We have an incredible team of people. Like, I, I would like to, I would put it out there that we had the best electrical engineer known to man. All right. I mean, like, literally, this dude can call any manufacturer, big or small, any company, big and small. He actually worked with me to negotiate our accelerometers, and we were getting the same price as Fitbit because they just wanted to work with him. That's how powerful he was. That's cool. And, you know, he was out of Austin, and his name is Patrick. I can't even tell you his last name just because I don't want anybody to come steal him. But, um, <laughs> but you know, he was just he's just in- incredible. Yeah. And having the right people on board helped us get through all of these issues. I mean, any time I've, I've ever talked to somebody who's done hardware like this, they always have kind of like some horror stories behind it. And yeah. any time I talk to somebody who wants to do it, I just kind of shudder. And I'm like, oh, good yeah. luck with this hardware. <laughs> look, I've had a lot of – look, everybody everybody believes that, oh, my goodness, I just with, – with everything going on with IoT, with – Right. I mean, it's kind of this phenomenon. And everybody's like, oh, we'll just put a device that we can track. Like, that stuff's important. But that stuff is, is capital intensive. Oh, yeah. It is it is hard. There's so many things that you have to work through. And, you know, like if you think about it, as I talked about with software, right, you find a bug, you recompile and you're testing in minutes. Potentially, it depends on how long you solve the problem. For us, you have to go through it. Hey, now I got to get PCBs. Most PCB manufacturing is happening in China, right? Just a bare PCB. What's so a PCB? A PCB is a printed circuit board, right? Yeah. So before they actually put the chips on there, you know, most of those is most times they're green. They could be any color, but most times they're green. And, you know, if you open any type of electronics, you're going to see it. Right. Right. So, um, you know, most times that comes from China. If it comes in the U.S., it's going to be a 20 to 30x cost because they want to do a quick turn. You can, you can get something in China for 65 cents, but it may take you a couple of weeks. But you can do it down the street and they'll charge you 30 bucks for the same thing. Wow. You know, so it's capital intensive. Yeah. It's. I mean, I don't want to <laughs> discourage anybody, but just you got to know what you're getting into. Yeah. And I, I'm as a software guy. Yeah. Yeah, but actually, this podcast is is I don't, I don't think discouragement's the right word, but we education. I mean, we like to talk more about the things that the pitfalls, the things yeah. you need to look at. Like, uh, there's not a hole, there's not a bottom to that rabbit hole. Absolutely. You got to be careful when you jump down, and, and then some of the things too that you just like. I mean, I, we feel that one of the best services we can do for people is try to help them avoid just avoid chaos Absolutely as much as possible agree. all right so so the the very first product when that came out how long ago was that and that was uh so we started a company in the summer of 2013 and it took us till november of 2014 is when we launched it and sold out in two weeks oh wow yeah it was great it was great like people where, where really did you sell those units online we marketed like, and sell that we just through your own site. yeah exactly you PR'd. didn't do kickstarter or anything like that no we actually did it all in our own site okay yeah it was it was a crowdfunding but it was on our own site, so okay. we drove people to our site. We just did an episode about crowdfunding. Yeah. What, what, what were, as a follow up to that, what were a couple of things that you learned that you didn't expect about crowdfunding, either good or bad? Um, you still had to promote the. Yeah, the we still sale, had to yeah. promote it. Still had to get it out there. Um, we had enough people involved, you know, that we can drive traffic. 
And, you know, it was enough of a novel idea that people picked it up from a story perspective. Was there any incentive or special offer for the early adopters? Um, yes, there were some special offers, sure. um, like 40% off and okay. so forth for the initial. Lot, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you normally see with, you know, crowdfunding campaigns. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a special offer. I think people were excited about it. Um, what we saw in November was a really good time because parents are starting to think about Christmas gifts and the kids were really excited about it. Right. Especially if you're into yeah. basketball, yeah, it's really cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, did you actually have the products there already? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So, so it wasn't a pre-sale. It was, no, it was, no. it was we an wanted, on-sale. Yeah. Okay. We wanted to make sure we had product and we just used that to just sell out the inventory and to start really understanding, do we have like a real business here? Right. And to be able to call customers and talk to them. So, so you got through this first stage. Did you raise capital before that part? Yeah, Did you guys so kind of self-fund it? or It was a little bit of both. So Bruce and I, to start the company, both cut a check. And then we had raised probably about, I want to say maybe 435000 Okay. To get yeah. through all the initial prototype, get the exactly. V1. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually, so you, you mentioned earlier, you kind of pivoted to do more on the teams. Yeah. You figured out how to do locations. Yeah, which is a big deal. And it, and it seems like now, from what little I know of your product, it seems like probably the the technology and the sensors is actually a small percentage now compared to all the technology you had to build for mobile and video yeah. overlay and all the team stuff. And like, yeah. there's like all this software now, yeah. and like you collect this data from the sensors, but there's like 90% of the magic happens. Like once you collect the data Absolutely. afterwards, right? Absolutely. Like, but, but to be honest, that, that hardware problem that we solved to actually figure out location. So yeah. let me take a step back, right? So our solution now is a sensor-based technology that can track statistics and analytics, you know, and, and and we get the location of the player and the ball within two to five centimeters. Which is so if crazy. you think about it's crazy. Because if you think about GPS, you could be on the front of the building and the back of the yeah. building, and they're like, you're in two different locations. Right? When you shoot a three-pointer, it's millimeters that differentiate. So two to five millimeters is, you know, it's a big sorry, centimeters. It's it's a big deal. Right. You know, and um, we're, we're very excited about that. And then what we do is we get the X, Y, and Z, which for those of you, it's it's pretty much all the planes, right? So 2D is X, Y, 3D is X, Y, and Z. Think about Z as the vertical. Right. And what we could do is we could track that ball and player in space in three dimensions. So which how, how then, did you solve that? So. Um, Without giving away all your trade secrets. Yeah, I mean, look. I, I, I welcome people to try just based on what we've gone through. It's primarily fueled by magic. Yeah. Literally. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, and before you answer that, Matt, there's a, there's a problem that shot tracker solves that I hadn't even considered. And I figured this out because I'm watching a basketball game at the sprint center with Davion. And he goes, do you know, there's probably like 30 people down there tracking all these stats by hand. <laughs> You know, just like writing down like who's in the lane, who's not, who you know, on all the different teams and stuff like that. And I and I thought about it and I was like, Oh wow, you're right. You know, there's a whole bunch of people down there. And then the the speed and accuracy of, of tabulating some of that and it was was really impressive. And now we can talk about the magic that makes that happen. Cause you and I have talked about that before. It's, Absolutely. It's pretty deep, man. Yeah, it's yeah. very deep. So um, one of the biggest things that we had to do is, you know, they call some of these systems like RTLS, real-time location systems, right? The ability to track people indoors. And, you know, like this, the, the, the simplest form is proximity, right? So if you see, like when you see retail and stuff, they, they're able to use the Wi-Fi and they use what they call uh, RSSI, real-time signal strength indicator to determine where somebody is. But 
you know, it's not sufficient enough for basketball. Right. Right. It's proximity. It's like, hey, you're in this vicinity. Yeah, you're in the men's he department. Is, exactly. He's you walk in, to the women's department. He's somewhere between aisle two and four. Yeah. That's not going to work in a basketball game. So we really had to find a protocol. And the protocol we found was ultra wideband that allowed us to get down to the accuracy that we need. And we're sampling our data about 120 times per second. Okay. And getting all that data from player and ball and then being able to write algorithms to figure out the exact precise location. And then there's another level of algorithms that figure out like event classification. So, hey, Matt has the ball. He passed it to uh, Matt passes it to Matt, who passes it to Davion. And the second Matt gets an assist because Davion scored or the first Matt grabs the rebound. So there's all this whole layer of event classification yeah, yeah. that's necessary from you know, and and being able to look at that and decide, oh wow, take you're you're drinking from the fire hose of all this of this data. Exactly, and you got to figure out what to do with it. Exactly, exactly. So, so one of the big things you had to do right was put a sensor on the ball. Yes, that was one of the the biggest things. Do we have drinks? Because like this topic is one of those that I can only talk about when, <laughs> <laughs> under the under the influence. Funny, it's cool, like mention like who you had to do all these deals with. Like, yeah, so 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 he, so he's just inducted himself into our tears and beers club, the <laughs> founders. Yeah, you're allowed to show up and cry, get drunk, or any combination of exactly tears of happiness, tears of joy, tears yeah. of sadness. Yeah. So, tears but and yeah, beers. so that's that's so our solution now is a sensor on a player, sensing the ball, and sensors around the arena, right? The ball was a big challenge because I don't know if people know this, but in college sports, if KU's playing a game, they use a Wilson ball. When they go play against Texas Tech, they use an Under Armour ball. When they go play against Texas A&M, they use an Adidas ball. When they go play against West Virginia, it's a Spalding ball. And when they go play against Texas, it's a Nike ball. Jeez. So they have all these different ball racks that are sitting down there, right? And so for us to be successful, we had to form partnerships with everybody. We're fortunate that Spalding saw us and got really excited about it. And, you know, Bruce and I were brainstorming. I was like, dude, let's put a sensor in the ball because therefore we can actually not just track the players, but we could track and infer the full game. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were making a basketball, I don't know if anybody remembers basketball with laces back, back to James Naismith days, right? For them to eliminate that to allow the basketball to bounce, they had to put a valve in it. Mm -hmm. So there's already a foreign object. And when you put a basketball a valve and a basketball on the other side, you have to put a little bit of weight to right. balance it. Yeah, yeah. So we were able to pull that out and put it in, put our sensor in and be able to make it happen. And now, balance it against and balance it the against the valve that was already wow. there. And our sensor was small enough that it weighed less than the weight that was already being put in there. So, so you have all these relationships and partnerships now with all the main, the, the, the manufacturers of the balls. So is your sensor in every ball there is, or you like go to the store and you can buy one with or with Well, so right now, right now, because our product is really focused for the teams, they're just making balls for the teams, right? Okay. So it's Balding, Wilson, Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, Molten, so, Baden are the seven. So they have, when ball. they order them in bulk or whatever, yeah, they exactly. order them with shot tracker. Yeah, they just say, hey, we want shot tracker enabled balls. Okay. And then, and then we, uh, we make it happen. Now, the big problem that people don't even think about, like not that the others weren't big, but hey, if you put a sensor in a ball, that needs to charge. Yeah. And the thing that was crazy was that, you know, now we have all these phones out where like the 10, the Samsung has been doing it. You've got wireless charging. Right. Where people have failed in the past is that they put the wireless charger close to the surface and it actually made the ball. It doesn't make the ball imperceptible. It harms the integrity of the basketball. What we had to do is get it three to five inches in. So now we had to move from inductive charging, which every phone doesn't have that yet. 
So now we have to work from cutting edge to bleeding edge and get to the point where we could actually charge something. Imagine an iPhone hovering three to five yeah. inches above the charger and still being charged. And that's what we had to do to get our rechargeable ball racked away. Because, yeah, you could charge it, but if it's not imperceptible, people are not going to use it. Right. So, yeah, those are just, that's why I say, man, um, I have I have nightmares sometimes on what I had to go through or what we had to go through to get our tech and basketballs. But it's a pretty significant competitive advantage because there isn't another company on the globe that can boast, hey, uh, we, we were at the Final Four one time and Auburn came up and they're like, well, we're under armor. And my guy, Corey, throws him on the armor ball. It's like, well, we actually played Wilson, throws him a Wilson ball. It's like, so when, what happens when we go to LSU? Throw him a Nike ball. Like, he was like, all right, you win, you know, because that's that's a big problem. It's yeah. a big competitive advantage for us. So that's really cool. Getting any manufacturer to change the way they do things is tough. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I know you've told me a couple stories about it, and we don't have to get too deep into that, but – um, how long did it take you to get all of these people to actually put something in? Yeah, I mean, look, it's still ongoing, but it's been probably the last three years. It's been the majority of the last three years working with them because it took a lot of effort, didn't it? A lot of yeah. effort. I've made a lot of trips to China, um, took my my mechanical engineer over there who has like 20 plus years in ball manufacturing, um, is really good at his job. And um, it was just tough. And a lot of times, you know, to be honest with you, you know, like the big, big partners were like, well, why would we do this with this little company? Do you have proliferation yet? But it's kind of the chicken and the egg and you don't. I mean, it was to the point where I told our sales guys, like, look, I'm going to keep hitting the big companies at the top, but I need you to go sell this thing and then ask them to call, call and ask for a shot tracker neighbor ball. And I'm like, say very nonchalant, right? Like, it's not a problem. Oh, yeah. Just call and ask for the shot tracker neighbor ball to the point where some of these guys started getting calls and they're like, who the F is Shot Tracker? What the F is a <laughs> Shot Tracker in a ball, you know? Literally, I mean. You got to crowdsource that. Like, like yeah. I need 10 people a day to call yeah. Wilson and ask I love, for a I shot love the nonchalant ball. approach. Just, just call that. Yeah, just, 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 just tell them for a Shot Tracker, tracker, shot ball, tracker ball. You know? they'll, they'll, they'll know what you mean. And yeah, if they absolutely. don't, just keep calling. Yeah, exactly. Or emailing. Or and posting yeah, online. So, so, I mean, Bill was actually also very, Bill Self was also very instrumental because I had a conversation with him and he called and he asked Wilson, he's like, hey, I had a shot tracker neighbor ball. And that kind of started the discussion with Wilson's. And then when I got in front of them, I was like, yeah, you know, we just delivered the spalling ball. They're like, what? You know, so it's one of those things where um, you kind of have to just you get one, you, you get can. the first one down. I'm sure that the next ones are easier. But. Yeah, they're, they're to a certain degree, they're easier. I mean, these are large companies, man, where sometimes the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So I mean, you got to almost be a politician lobbying, making sure. And, and, and sometimes you you have to help them solve their internal issues of communication because they don't necessarily talk to each other. And you got to work with four groups. So, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's challenging, but by the grace of God. <laughs> That'd be like marketing, legal, manufacturing, and design. Product, yeah, yeah. pretty much. So one of the other things that's interesting is all the people that you know in the basketball industry. You want to talk about that? I know a couple people. You know a couple people, know a couple people right? Couple people. A couple. a couple people. I've been really blessed, man. And, you know, I think people have gotten excited about what we're doing. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, I mean, being a former basketball player doesn't hurt, knowing and understanding the game. And then I think that people like the opportunity that, you know, if, you know, I can talk hoops so I can geek out, you know, you choose, right? Yeah. And being able to bridge that gap for people is, is helpful. Right. Being able to like get down to ones and zeros. I mean, I don't code anymore, but I'm still pretty technical. 
um, getting down to ones and zeros and then being able to talk hoops is a, is a really good combination. So I've been really blessed, very fortunate that, you know, people have somewhat uh, been excited about what we've been doing. Cause I'll tell you real talk, it takes a village. Yeah. I bet. And um, especially to pull off, like what we're doing is very revolutionary, but it really takes a village because um, you, it, there's no, I mean, I'm sitting here today, but I got a lot of soldiers behind me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, moving forward, and I'm very grateful for our team. And you, you, you're here in Kansas City, um, and you actually let's talk about the Shot Tracker office because you actually have a basketball courts in the back of it, and yeah. that's how that works. Like, yeah, hey, was, let's go test this right now. Yeah, so that was a requirement for us because yeah. there's no way that we can actually, you know, have like you know. So Bruce and I were talking. We're like, man, we need a space. And at first, we wanted a half court, right? And then we're like, man, a half court would be good, but you couldn't test everything out. Um, and then they said, then we said, okay, we got to look for places and you got to be able to shoot three. So now you're looking at like 25 plus, you know, feet from a ceiling perspective, which that really limits your, yeah. you know, your, your, your space. Right. And uh, it was really critical for us because there's no way that we can, I mean, our team works hard. There's a lot of times we were there till two, three, four in the morning. I remember New Year's Eve before of, uh, 2015 when we were actually heading out to CES I mean we were there till four o'clock in the morning went spent time with our family New Year's Day and came back the next night because on the second we were leaving for Vegas for a full launch of Shot Tracker at CES like a live demo and we were still grinding and we just didn't want to be at a point where we were subject to hey can I use your gym so Bruce found this place and it was perfect it was 10,000 square feet you know, it was affordable because it was kind of like uh, um, warehouse mm -hmm. type of space. And uh, so that's what we did. And that's, that's been like, we wouldn't be where we are today from an R and D perspective. If it wasn't for that, it's critical to our success. You know, when I, when I think about shot tracker and everything we've talked about, I think about you and I at Dave and Buster's that night, Matt, and how much <laughs> we really could have used shot tracker. <laughs> you referred to everyone's shot as a fingerprint. Mine's more like an ugly snowflake. <laughs> And yours is too. Man. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think the first were, step is admitting it, right? Yeah. And admitting that your jump shot's <laughs> terrible or maybe you haven't taken one in about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. I look back. I, there was no technology that was going to I was at me. Urban Air last night with my kids and that's like the trampoline yeah. place and they have yeah. the basketball goals and you I tried to make a couple. I think I missed every one of them. <laughs> I was trying to dunk too and I got totally uh, failed. Well, that's tough, I right? got video of it. Even. You got to focus on shooting, but you also have to like get into the trampoline yeah, and yeah. get up high enough. So I totally failed. <laughs> I could use a couple trampolines. My my vertical's up to about five inches at this, at this point in my life. So um, <laughs> can we talk about some of the people that have participated in this with you? Because you've had you have some pretty well known people. I you, I noticed you didn't want to drop <laughs> drop names. Or no, whatever, we can talk about it. It's I just all think good. It's cool that it's in the public, but it's a, it's a you know it's it's validation and it's adoption from some pretty major people in basketball history. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, you know, the first one we'll talk about is uh, you know David Stern. Yeah. Um, yeah, I call him Uncle Dave. And that's the former commissioner of the NBA. And he was the commissioner for like 25 years or something. Uh, I think I mean, almost probably 30 something. Yeah. I mean, time. like if you think about it, right, where, and where, where the NBA was, you know, 30, 40 years ago today and, and where they are today, like he has played like a substantial role. I mean, I'm calling him the Godfather, man, because, and, and what he had to do with the NBA you know, we see pieces of that in our relationship. Like last night, Bruce sent a text, hey, we need to talk to you. He 
He's like, call me now. This is at 7, 8.45 Eastern time, right? And he jumps on the phone with us. We're three-way calling. We talk for 30 minutes. You know, I mean, that's the kind of person. And for us, it was very flat, flattering because, you know, he's he's had, he has this skill set of being able to see around corners. And there's not many people who have it. Like, there's some people who could see around one corner, too. I think he sees around three, man. And that's that's important to have on your team. And then somebody who can almost get to anybody, um, that's, you know, that's critical. Um, another one is Magic. You know, um, he's been instrumental. You know, Magic actually, you know, through one of our board members who's a friend of mine and, you know, just a really reputable guy in the in the VC space um, out, in, out in the Valley. He introduced us to, 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 to Ryan, Magic's director of investment. I had several discussions with him, really connected. And, you know, he said, hey, Magic, Magic is jumping on his jet and he's coming to Kansas City. And this is what we're thinking we'll invest, you know. And it was cool because another group of people that don't get a ton of credit um, from a shot tracker perspective are, are all the kids and all the basketball players that come on Tuesday and Thursday and play for us. Because literally when they come on Tuesday and Thursday, granted, they're just coming and playing basketball, but that's when we do our testing. Nice. I mean, from 1130 to 1, um, now they're, a lot of them are playing down at High V. We got to change our date. They got an awesome system, an awesome location down there, and it's closer to their homes. But, you know, we had a bunch of kids that come in. I call them kids. That's how old I am. But, you know, they're anywhere from, I'd say, 18 to, to, to 30 that would come in and play basketball for us and allow us to test stuff and I think that was we need critical. to do that go go play yeah is there a mode for like horse on this can can we use it for that? yeah you can use it for horse there's a shooting mode we'll, 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 uh, we'll let you guys use it for horse. trick shot mode we're yeah. gonna ruin every algorithm that shot tracker ever made it's just gonna it's over just, the back of the it's just gonna turn board. red with the word quit on the just on the ui um so you know well i feel like you know, obviously you guys have been around for a little bit. You made a lot of progress, at least here locally. You're really starting to get, get recognition. Um, just, you know, I mean, and I don't, I've never been a big list person, but yeah. I think that it's kind of cool when I see people I know that I know have good stuff, you know, like one of our local, um, organizations that were a sponsor of, uh, the startup foundation Absolutely. had you as one of the top startups to watch. And, um, you know, I don't really ever, I don't think anyone in Kansas city doesn't know what shop trackers doing. I, I think it's pretty cool. Just, I think the technology and we probably don't even have time to get into the depth of some yep. of the stuff we've talked about, but I mean, th these guys are doing cutting edge stuff. I mean, it's, it's dab it's in the world of artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I mean, there's some major major stuff here. yeah i mean i'll tell you we we filed uh we filed us for 23 patents wow and we've had 14 issued so i mean that just gives you a sense of like you know it's the problems the yeah. innovation and yeah. the problems that we've had to solve to file and most times we file it via the pct so internationally and that's how it's helped to accelerate our our patent portfolio we're going to have an acronym test at the end oh of this man! Episode. Don't even ask me what PCT stands for, but it's 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 I can't it's even the remember international what the first three stood for. It's the International uh, Patent Association. So, so the so tell us about kind of where you're at today. I mean, uh, my understanding is like you're starting to roll this out to a lot of college teams and stuff like right. that, right? And are you it's already rolled out? Yeah. So how bunch, yeah. is is there that at what point like I, you've seen I've seen some cool stuff before where you're able to like interject all these stats into like video and stuff yeah. like that. Right. 
is there a chance in the future that like as consumers we'll see like on TV some of this stuff? Or like- yeah, so so last year we we had some really pivotal things that happened, right? So if you think about like, or I would say in the last twelve months, um, you know, we we did the Hall of Fame Classic. It was the first time ever that the NCAA allowed to have tech on the bench. So just for the record, shot trackers approved, shot tracker balls, players could wear sensors, but the coaches are not allowed to have the data. Um, on the bench, they could okay. have it been in the beginning of the game, halftime, and post game. Okay, right, and that was the first time that the NCAA allowed anybody, and they partnered with us. They gave us a waiver. Um, we just did a we did a Michigan State Ohio State game with CBS, where all that stuff was on television, and oh wow, it wasn't CBS Sports Net. It was like big CBS, yeah. you know, like national two million people like so was that did that have like video overlays and stuff? absolutely all like that? all the stuff that we were doing um you know where our data integrated into the video shot charts on the floor while you're playing in between did that go the really well yeah that was significant for us to the point where cbs everybody at, at the cbs really loved it and that pushed us to do the mountain west conference tournament so so real was real, was on TV too. real talk was on question TV. here uh was it terrifying to know that you were going to be on that that was going to be on TV for 2 million people No like you know I don't even think about it like that right I think about like yo we worked for this Right like we're here now but then but... the moment comes and I, I just think about anything I've ever built and or around software and you're like Murphy is taking over at this yeah, point yeah. you know if it's going to break ever you're like it's going to do it no. right well now. there was definitely some nervousness then yeah. Um, but again, I you know, I trusted our team and yeah. they they're they're so good that um you know, we had every duplication, every every backup plan, everything that we needed to do. So funny story as it relates to that. I remember when we did the first ever NAIA tournament, and this was probably about three years ago, right? And there's no way we should have done that. Our tech was not ready. Right. And I can tell the story now because we're we've been battle tested right across like the big universities, big colleges. But I remember Clint, our CTO and John Glenn sitting up in the governor's suite at municipal, looking down at the game and with their hands on their computers, because literally they were trying to predict when our stuff was go out to be able to reboot it fast enough to be able to make it work. Oh, geez. Right. And this is like, you know, the NAI is known for. I think it's what, 31 games in five days. Mm-hmm. So like you talk about stress on a company trying to make that happen. And to the end users, it went off flawless. But for us, we were like, holy shizer. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's <laughs> it the was... first time the word shizer has been used on the True. podcast. Yeah, True. check. True. <laughs> so that was it. And then, you know, we just did the Mountain West Conference and we came back and we loved the NAIA because they gave us our first chance. So we're like, hey, we're going to do this for you. Um, as part of the partnership. So we did the championship and semifinal game. And in the championship game, I looked to the right of me, and it's my CTO, Clint, sitting with his feet up with a pork sandwich. And so I take this picture and I send to our team and I say, kudos to everyone. Three years ago, Clint would not leave the governor's suite watching the servers rebooting ever so often. Now he's sitting next to me with a pork sandwich with his feet up and the game is going on and all the data is happening. Yeah. So, I mean, it just shows like the iterations and how we've been battle tested, you know, and, 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 and the iterations and that we've gone through to get to this point. I think that's a great story for other entrepreneurs out there. Like 
you know, in the early days, like you're trying to make it work, like you're just grinding through it. There's some duct tape, there's some bubble gum, a lot of duct tape. But you know what? You guys proved that you could do it at least to everybody around. Like this shit all looked like it worked. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you guys are still still making improvements, still making changes. A couple of years later, you got it all perfected and like yeah. whatever. No big and that's why I tell that story, right? Yeah. Because it should be inspiring and encouraging yeah. to someone that, you know, in just like three short years, I mean, and we're solving some major problems, but just the mere fact that I mean, it's funny because we don't think about it, but it just dawned on me and I look moments. back at him and I'm like so that first TV game you said was Ohio State, Michigan State? Right? Um, our first TV game was actually the Hall of Fame Classic. Okay. Like, um, did you go for you on 18. site for that too? Yeah, absolutely. That we was down at the Sprint just, Center. That was, that was right down November, here. November, right? Yeah, yeah. that's November here at the Sprint oh, Center. Oh, it was here. Yeah. yeah, and in February is when we did the Michigan State-Ohio State game. And the end of February, early March is when we did the Mountain West Conference. So did you go on site for all of those? Yeah, games? absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, you want to make sure to your point, you know, when you have CBS, when you have all the big dogs there and – you know, everybody's at home is watching. I mean, you got to deliver. Yeah, so. I, I I think that what's cool is we'll get to it uh, hopefully you know, over the next couple of years, like your technology will start to see in all of the games on TV. Absolutely. And it'll be no different than seeing that yellow line when you watch an NFL game, right? That's, like That's exactly no, right. Nobody, we would know what to do without that damn yellow yes, line, yes. right? But your guys' technology eventually get to that point where... I, I have a funny story about the yellow line. So I took my ex-wife a long time ago to her first football game and like five minutes in she's asked me where the yellow line was that's so funny yeah we're not married anymore that's the main reason why. <laughs> <laughs> that's the main reason yeah i mean look, reason for are, getting divorced those are not non-negotiable no yellow line I, I get is it. not real i get it yeah. that's that's non-negotiable yeah, yeah it is how yeah. do you not know did you did you get divorced that same day or i if i could have done it that quickly i might have <laughs> i really i was close i uh so are, yeah. you, are you guys also working with NBA teams now too? Yeah, so the NBA is an interesting dynamic. Um, we work with the NBA. Um, we did the the Junior World Championships. Um, we have an install of the NBA Academy in Australia. And we're working on some things that we're going to be testing together this summer. Um, the NBA is interesting because they have a CBA, right? Mm -hmm. And the CBA has a wearable clause, which doesn't allow them to put right. sensors on the players. Not even during practice? Well, in practice, they're able to, but they they, they strictly make that a health benefit. Uh, so like, hey, I'll put to monitor your health to make sure okay. that you're okay. And, you know, we've tried to stay away from the health side just because of all the things going on at HIPAA. And it's just a lot right. in that space and privacy. And with us, you know, what we're doing could is really observable by the human eye. Right. Like you can be like, that's a three-point shot. Right. You may not be able to give the exact XYZ coordinates of where it's from, but you could say that's a three point shot or that was an assist. But the thing about it is that we do is we do it with scale and speed faster than the human eye, which just opens up a ton of opportunities. So the so so today you can't really do a lot with the NBA until you get yeah. some changes. We're exploring we're exploring some creative stuff that, you know, that they'll probably come out here, you know, in the next few months. But well, I mean, obviously like as you continue to get wider and wider adoption everywhere else, right? Like they get prodded along eventually. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our hope is that, uh, you know, we're seeing it in the college space. You asked about, I mean, college teams. I mean, you know, over the last year, we've been able to, you know, we've got KU, K State, Mizzou, Kentucky, TCU, Miami, Illinois, um, Nebraska, Syracuse, um, Utah, Utah Valley. BYU, I mean, the list continues, you yeah. know, so we've had a bunch of teams come on board and, 
you know, we're, we're going to be adding, uh, we got some exciting stuff going on this summer um, as we prepare for actual in-game use here in the 1920 season. So, so that's exciting. As we kind of wrap up here, because you know you got to go, um, what is some advice that you could give to entrepreneurs just in general? Anything, in general. Anything you'd want to throw out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there's a few things that I think about as I go through, you know, my journey, right? And I'll use a few, uh, a basketball analogy for the first one. You can't, you can't shoot if you, you can't score if you don't shoot. So, I mean, a lot of people that I talk to, you know, they're, they're pontificating about, hey, should I do this? Should I do this? I'm like, look, you got to jump in. Like jobs are, you know, it may not be, you may not get the same job, but you got, you got to jump in. And if we don't, if we don't shoot, then you have no chance of scoring, you know? So that's, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing I would say, I think it's really important to surround yourself with like-minded people. Um, because I think that, I mean, that's why I love what you guys are doing, right? Because you get the opportunity to share stories, to inspire. And I just think it's really important to be around people because there's a lot of haters, a lot of naysayers, right? When when I told people, look, we're going to put a sense in every basketball, people are like, oh my goodness, how is that going to happen, right? But look today, we have a sensor in every big basketball brand, right? So you got to um, you got to use the naysayers as, as, as motivation. You know, I don't care if you, you know, have a chip on your shoulder, but use that as an opportunity to really move forward. And, you know, like for me, I, I, I strongly believe that, um, you know, being an entrepreneur is really synonymous with having like some in, incredible faith. <laughs> um, I just think that so a lot of the lot things, of which is in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Right. In yourself and God, you know, yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's one of those things where um, you got to have faith and, you can't let fear get get the better of you. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a marathon. The other thing I would say is a marathon. I mean, like I, I saw a quote that said that um, things aren't as good or as bad after you've heard them the first time. And I mean, I look back on my life and I'm like, yeah, you know, the first time I heard this, I was so excited, but you know, it's not as good. <laughs> and the first time I hear that, it was, it was like so detrimental and the sky was falling. And I just think it's important for people to like, you know, this is a marathon. You celebrate the small wins. You, you almost have to have like a convenient memory, you know, because you got to forget the bad stuff and remember the good stuff and just keep plowing through. I Persistence, like that, a convenient grit. memory. Yeah, I've you heard got short-term memory. Before. It's got to be you convenient. Sh- yeah. You got to remember the stuff that's going to oh, keep you yeah. going, and forget the stuff that 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 um that's going to keep you back. You know, mm-hmm. and you got to have that grit, man. I think, you know, when I think about our team and what we're doing, like there's nothing short of grit. You know, from my co-founder and to myself, and that's something that we try to push through the organization, and um, that's what's got us here. Is just being that grimy, gritty player that you know, by any means necessary, you're going to make it happen. And I think we're starting to see the fruits of our labor. I mean, we still have a long way to go and a lot of things to do. And it's definitely a marathon. I think that was uh, very well stated. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure what else we're going to say after that. Um, I mean, <laughs> what do you got, man? I think we need to ask him uh, his mixtape moment. Oh, we're going to play mixtape? Yeah. All, right. All right. So we recently mixtape. invested in mixtape the game. This is a party game. Okay. We're going to help them build a digital product, but, um, oh, this is funny. I literally draw the card. So you read a scenario and then you have to play it, stay, like say, say what song would go best with it. And okay. it says, what's the best song to play while you're walking in Memphis? Just kidding. Draw another card. Cause it's actually a song <laughs> called walking in Memphis. 
Um, I may so, have failed on that one. <laughs> here we go. What is your best Monday morning work song? Oh, Monday morning work song. <sighs> I'm going to go with Britney Spears' Work Bitch. <laughs> I'm trying to go with one that I haven't already used. Because I've used <laughs> Fuck You by CeeLo Green for like 25 different things. Because that's kind of <laughs> how I feel on most Monday mornings. But... Um, I mean, taking care of business is a good one. There we go. Um, there's a song by the Beatles called good morning that just starts with the rooster crowing. And I know that cause my mom used to play it like five days a week to wake me up. But you, what do you got? Um, gosh, my best Monday morning work song. <sighs> you know, my songs on Monday mornings have been changing because I got kids this morning, uh, this so week like was baby, the baby shark. <laughs> My best this morning, morning was this morning. baby shark. Hey, whatever it takes to get them out of bed. This morning was the Macarena, oh, which wow. is kind of crazy. <laughs> like literally, I walk in the room and I walk in the room with my phone with the Macarena, and my daughter literally. Hops out of bed like a zombie and start doing the dance. If it works, my enemies and my my son, my son is like he's like, play it again. <laughs> so it's it's really just what what uh what gets my uh sorry about that what 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 gives my kids up to make my life a little bit easier. I like that. But, uh, yeah, we listen to a lot of music in the car. So now we would have to vote, and you can't vote for yourself. But I'm gonna actually vote for the Macarena. <laughs> I have a feeling you are too. Yeah, I think that's a good one. So he Davion wins. All right, Davion. All right. Hey, did go. we did we track that effectively? The, the way we played mixtape? Yeah. We have, we're going to put a sensor in the car. Yeah, yeah. I said, there's a, the, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to talk to Joel Johnson about that. Right. How do we get a sensor in the box of mixtape? That's a fun game. I didn't, I didn't ever think that the Macarena would win me anything. It did. <laughs> Especially seeing that I only started listening to it after a numerous years, uh, about a couple weeks ago. And my daughter was like, hey, daddy, play that song. And she started humming it, and I'm like, I don't know what that is, sweetie. Well, the trophy's and, in the mail, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's what we need to get. We need to get. Oh man, this is. We're gonna get a mixtape trophy. It's just gonna be a golden cassette tape. Yeah, there we go. And then do it. Yeah. And then do it. Well, Davion, thank you so much. I know you're busy. Um, we really do appreciate you coming by. I uh, love what you guys are doing, and uh, hope we get to hang out soon. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys, and I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing in the community. As I said, it takes a village, and you Thank guys you. are a critical piece of that village. Really excited about what you guys are doing. Excited about what you're doing on Stackify, also. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, as as a you know as a partner, as a you know, I'm I'm just excited, man. I love to see Kansas City companies doing well, and so do we. It's it's great. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep doing it then. Thank you. Yep. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.